Well, good morning, church family. So glad to be with you on this Sunday morning. And uh, it is what we call Thanksgiving Sunday morning. This next week is Thanksgiving, and uh, we are so excited about thanking the Lord and being with you by video this wonderful day. I want you to stand with me, please. Stand up on your feet, take your Bibles, and turn to 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to read verses 1 through 13. We do have notes for you this morning, so if you've, if you've got those, then uh, take some notes and you can go and preach it to somebody else and also help you to remember what I preached to you on this beautiful day. God is good. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 13. Again, if you just stand up, if you're able to stand up, if you're not able to, just stand up on the inside. Reading from the New King James Today, verse 1, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Let's read verse 10 together. Nor complain, or a version also says grumble. Nor complain or grumble as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Verse 11, now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition on whom the end of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands Take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Let's pray. Father, thank you and praise you for the wonderful worship and time we've had thus far in the service. We pray and ask for you to come by your anointing, come by your power, and give us living understanding. Release all that's in your heart to us today. May we leave this place having heard from heaven. May we leave this place with fresh fire in our bellies because of your word. A lamp unto our feet, a light upon our path. Let your word run swiftly. Let your word break in, Lord, in our lives today. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. You might have noticed at the tail part of those verses that we read, this word about the destroyer. 
There is a destroyer on the loose. In the book of Revelation, John the Revelator uh, scribes and declares and calls him Apollyon. There is a destroyer that's on the loose, and all you need to do is read the news or look at the news or watch the news. You can see that destruction is all over. And I'm just so glad that God has made a way for you and I to avoid destruction. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. This text talks about this destroyer. And you can look through Scripture and uh, Old Testament and New and see the activity of the destroyer. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 23, it says, For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lentil and the doorpost, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into the onto your houses. Wow, to smite you. The destroyer is talked about there at the Passover and how the blood of the lamb was put on the doorposts and the lentils of their homes so that the death angel or the destroyer would pass over. You can see in Hebrews 11, Turn there, would you? Hebrews 11, verse 28. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. When we apply the blood of Jesus on the doorposts and lentils of our lives by receiving him through repentance, believing that he died on a cross and rose again from the grave, then the destroyer will pass over when our life is no more. But this text that we looked at here is, is rather profound. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, he sends two different letters. The first one is 1 Corinthians. Guess what the second one is called? 2 Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians here, Paul's concern for the church in Corinth is that they were so filled with pride. They were so hyper-spiritual, if you will, that they began to have problems. And they were doing things that would allow entrance for the destroyer to come into their church, into their lives, into their families. And we never want to do that. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I, I, never, want, I never want to do that. No, do you never want to let the destroyer into your life. You say, what are you saying, Pastor Daniel? I can allow for the destroyer to come into my life? Yes. Yes, even if you're saved, if you're born again, you can still invite the destroyer. Because keep in mind the, the context of the Apostle Paul as he's writing to the church. He's writing to believers and he's telling them you need to be careful. And he, he lists these things and we're going to look at this as he, as he warns them by using the example of the Israelites. And this morning as I preach to you just before Thanksgiving, one of my most favorite holidays, not only because of the food, because of all the meaning that's behind it. It is such a rich, rich time where we can give thanks to God because he's brought us through another year as the pilgrims did so many years ago. And so the Apostle Paul writes the example of the Israelites, what, what they had and what they had not had and what they did not have. He they, they, they just failed in seeing the, the, the goodness of the Lord. And they, they began to grumble and they released a destroying angel upon their lives. The problem was they allowed evil there in Corinth to enter their lives. And the Apostle Paul talks about that. He talks about idolatry. You don't want to allow idols into your life. 
He talks about sexual immorality, and, and which really is a, a form of idolatry, I believe, and a big one in America, a big one all around the world. And they tested the Lord. They presumed on him. He talks about that and relating it to the Israelites there and now the church in Corinth. And verse 10, which just absolutely gets me, grumbling. Verse 10, complaining. It says, don't allow anyone to complain and release a destroyer upon their lives. I think we should probably repent. I think I might have complained at some point over the past week. Come on, repent for being a complainer. If you complained, if you grumbled, repent because we need to close the door to the destroyer. That's what he's saying. He's saying that complaining and grumbling releases demonic activity in the life of the believer, in the life of the, of the unbeliever. Grumbling basically ruins our covenant relationships. You say, oh, snap. Yeah, because we have grumbled. We have a tendency to grumble. We have a tendency to complain. And we're surrounded by it. It's all over media. People arguing. People complaining. Strife everywhere. Come on, did you argue or complain this week? Have you, maybe you argue and complained in your family. <laughs> my, in my family years ago, we used to just seem to have a fight. Isn't that right, Pastor Karen? Seemed to have a fight just about every single Sunday morning. <laughs> Don't shout me down. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It just seems like the enemy would hit us right before it's time to go to church. And for a number of years, we just had a rule. No talking on Sunday morning. And so we wouldn't talk. We would just have a no talking rule. We would walk around the house praying in tongues. Because if we would talk, we ended up grumbling and complaining. It's like it was just difficult for us to overcome. And we would have some of our biggest fights in the early years of our marriage on the way to church. Come on, some of you probably did that this morning. And we had a no talking rule. You might want to try that. It worked really well. Well, now it's just all roses for us, of course. Now, sometimes we get to complaining and grumbling. But when you do that, and when you yield to it, it ruins your covenant relationship with God. And not only with God, it'll ruin your relationship with other people. I mean, don't shout me down. Come on and wave your hands wildly. How many of you like spending times or spending time or hanging out with somebody who's a complaining, grumbling, sniffling? No, nobody does. Nobody likes spending, and, and, and the Lord doesn't like spending time with grumblers either. You know, he likes spending time with people that give thanks. Come on, someone just give thanks to the Lord. Come on, in the house of God, lift your hands and give thanks to God. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, we're so grateful for what you've done. You're wonderful. You're glorious. You're awesome. You're mighty. There's none like you, Lord. There's none like you. Grumbling ruins our covenant relationships. And the two main ones are, it'll ruin your relationship with God. Our grumbling changes his authority and purposes for our life. What do you mean by that? When you grumble, you're basically saying that God hasn't done it right. He didn't give you what you deserve. He didn't give you what you were, what you were expecting or even hoping for. Come on, trust God. Trust his timing. When you grumble and complain, it's like saying to the, the clay, saying to the potter, what are you making me into? Come on. 
Come on, God's on the throne. Trust him, trust his timing, trust his leadership. Trusting God's leadership is key to your development. It's key to your growth. It's key to being happy in Christ, to being joy-filled, is trusting that he's working everything out after the counsel of his will. Don't grumble, because it'll affect your relationship with him. There's, there's nothing wrong with being upset about things and telling the Lord about it. I don't think we should be fake, but you shouldn't go around grumbling. Resolve it. Bring it to him. Talk to him. Receive his comfort and get back into a place of gratitude. Get back into a place of thanksgiving. Our grumbling against godly appointed leadership keeps us from receiving from them. I have had a time in my life years ago when I was assigned to something. I'll tell you the story. I've told it before. I was uh, selected by Dr. Morocco and, and the uh, leadership, Pastor Michael Gannon at the time, over our youth leaders, uh, oh, pardon me, over our youth group there in Maui to fill in for him. He was going to be transferred to Lanai, and I was one of the leaders in the church helping in the youth. And so I began to preach to me in my mind, which might be kind of like a fishing story. It's probably bigger in my mind than it actually was, but the youth group began to grow. I saw people began to get saved. I, I think I preached three times. It felt like we were having revival. I mean, it seemed like thousands were coming. It was probably only a handful. But shortly thereafter, I was replaced by Pastor Steve. And Pastor Steve was called on by Dr. Morocco, having just returned from, uh, from being in, in the lower 48, moved back to Hawaii. And he became the next youth pastor. And I went from being the guy who was preaching, praying, and prophesying to taking names in the back of the youth group. And I was so upset. I, I, I went from having the fire and the oil to being, you know, somebody that just took the names, which is a crucial part. But the Lord was testing my heart. The Lord was testing me. And I began to grumble and complain. And it was like the anointing just began to lift off of me. I, I wasn't all happy about Dr. Morocco's decision to put Pastor Steve. I thought in my mind I should be the next youth guy. I don't know. You know, when I was full of myself, I needed more training. And so do you. Come on, I began to grumble a little bit and complain. And it was like the anointing, the, the empowerment, the enablement of the Holy Spirit began to just lift off of me. And I, I remember it so well. It was such a painful time in my life. And the Lord helped me. The Lord really did. He said, I've placed you here. I've placed you under this leadership. I've anointed you to preach. I, it doesn't matter if you have a pulpit. All the world's your pulpit. That, that quote from Shakespeare, all the world is your stage. The Lord took that and made it real to me and said, all the world is your pulpit. Get preaching. Get reaching the lost. Come on, get, get out there. And it was at that time that I had to just do something crazy and break out of this grumbling nightmare I was in. I repented and I preached at Kmart, and uh, it was uh, glorious. I'm not sure anybody got saved, but I got set free. Come on, God is, God, is, God is good, but if you complain, it'll hurt your relationship with God. It'll hurt your relationship with godly appointed leadership, and it'll keep you from receiving from them. I remember at that time, I couldn't hardly hear anything from Dr. Morocco. I mean, it was, thank God, it was only a, a couple weeks that I wallowed in my mire of complaining and grumbling, and then I got delivered, thank God. To, to keep from grumbling, to keep from complaining, you've got to remember, 
Remember what God has done for you. That'll help you be thankful. Remember when he delivered you. Remember when he saved you. Remember when he intervened in that car crash. Come on. Remember when, when you were, were lost as a goose in a hailstorm and God reached across and he, and he delivered you and he, and he healed your marriage and he healed your kids. Remember what he's done for you. Remember what it was like when you were filled with anxiety. Maybe when you were, you were tormented or you didn't know how to get out of the circumstances the situation you were in, and, and God brought you through. Spiritual Alzheimer's of forgetfulness, being someone who can't remember what God has done is a recipe, as I've said so many times before. It's a recipe for disaster. Don't forget what God has done. Don't forget what he's done. Don't forget what he's doing. I mean, remember what he's doing. Look around. People being saved. People being healed. Come on, look around you today. Look, even look here in the church. It's filled with people. God is touching people, touching families. Remember how he provided. Oh, and what he's doing today, right now in your heart. Thank you, Jesus. We're not victims. Come on, say, I'm not a victim. Yeah, we're not victims. We're victors. We're not supposed to be victims. We're supposed to be victors. And if you grumble and you complain, it'll affect your relationship with God, with godly appointed leadership. It'll affect your relationship with your spouse. It'll affect your relationship with your children. It'll affect your relationship if you begin to grumble and complain. Be thankful for what God's given you. Look around. I mean, come on. You, you could have had it so much worse. But you're here. You're in your right mind. God's, God's, God's for you. He's not against you. Be thankful for what you have. Don't start looking at how the glass is half empty. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that. God's absolutely on the throne. Be grateful. Be thankful. And that is the call to every single believer to be grateful, to be thankful. And you'll see that declared throughout the New Testament. The word grateful or thankful is the word eucharista. It's used nine times and it's for giving thanks throughout the, the New Testament. It means to have a thankful heart, eucharista. It means to have a thankful heart. It means uh, it, it's, a, it's a picture of a desire to show appreciation. It's also a, a feeling of goodwill, a feeling of goodwill. Eucharista is a feeling of goodwill. It's also a desire to, to repay the favor. Eucharistic is the main word in the New Testament for gratefulness. Eucharist, you ever heard that? The Eucharist, that's another, that's another name for receiving the, the communion, the Eucharist. So the Catholics call it the Eucharist. Come on, gratitude and thanksgiving. New Testament writers encourage us to be grateful. In Ephesians 5, verse 4, there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Colossians 3 and 15 talks about being thankful. Romans 7, 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ, says the Apostle Paul. The Old Testament sees gratefulness as a work of true worship. And you'll see that in the Psalms. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, right? You'll see the psalmist are constantly talking about being thankful. All of the, the Levites who they were appointed, were their job was to give thanks. Levites and priests, their job was to give thanks. Come on, we're all supposed to do that. We're all supposed to give thanks. Don't you get over into, into uh, being in, in ungrateful and ingrate. 
No, be filled with gratitude. Be filled with thanksgiving. The festivals in the Old Testament were all, they were all times to remember what God had done. Thankfulness, gratitude for what he had done. Come on, turn to Psalm 100. Psalm 100, turn there. Psalm 100. Let me read this to you. Make a joyful shout to the Lord for all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who, who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his, into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures for all generations. Do you remember that, that, that song? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Help me sing it. He has made me glad, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. It's Thanksgiving week. God loves you. The devil has been defeated. God is on the throne. You ought to just give thanks to him right now. Come on, put your best hand clap together for God. Ah, we love you, Lord. You're wonderful. We give you praise in Jesus' name. It's so wonderful to be with you this morning by video. We'll look forward to seeing you on Wednesday. Pastor Karen, would you come, please? God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving to each and everyone. We love you, Pastor Karen.